0: The whole nutrition, the management ended up affecting many characteristics on the uh, reproductive tract uh, that affect the eggs and the uh, the hen's ability to um, produce a, um, a fertile egg or an egg that will actually keep the embryo alive.
1: A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming soon. The brightest minds of the global poultry industry will be right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe, DSM, helping customers with efficient and sustainable poultry production. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adaseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adaseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adaseo fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adaseo at www.adaseo.com.
2: Welcome everyone to the Poultry Podcast Show. I'm Karen Grogan. I'll be your host today. And with me today is Dr. Edgar Oviedo from North Carolina State University. Um, Edgar is in a research and extension position there um, within the Prestige Department of Poultry Science. Um, Edgar, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you came to NC State?
0: Karen, how are you doing? Um, Thank you for inviting me and and, um, well, I have been in NC State for about 18 years. Um, I am um, a veterinarian and um, I graduated in Colombia about 27 years ago. Working in a vaccine company, that, um, well, uh, uh, after three years of working with technical services and, <clears throat> and a diagnostic center, I work also on the nutrition side, got a master's in Brazil and moved to the state. Well, first. Um, I, I was also working in Colombia for for a, a couple of uh, a few months in in, um, in in this nutrition company, and, and um, after being in the states for uh, during my PhD, I, I had a position in um, Stephen F Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas, and came to NC State in in 2005. So my my work here has been mainly in extension with the poultry industry, and I also have um, some teaching now with data analytics, and uh, we do applied research.
2: Excellent, excellent. So, what's your favorite part of your job—the research, the teaching, or the extension piece?
0: Well, um, I enjoyed bo- all of them, but of course, uh, the the most uh, most of my time is really. In extension, working with the industry in in many different areas, so that is probably what I enjoy the most, and the reason that I came here to NC State. So we we cover all the cycle of production in the broiler industry, and that allows me to do different things that uh, I enjoy. So that's that's pretty much what keeps me busy and happy doing what I what I normally do.
2: Excellent. Very good. Um, so since you cover sort of a, a spectrum, uh, um, as you termed it, in, in sort of all of aspects of broiler production, um, let's start with, um, and, and nutrition is sort, is sort of your focus. So what, what nutrition topics do you feel are um, really important right now in terms of um, either breeders or pullet management? Um, I know that that's uh, a, an area of focus in your work and applied research and extension. Um, what, do you, what do you think are big topics for uh, that sector of our industry right now?
0: Yes, well, um, as um, broiler breeders uh, have been selected, um, mainly uh, to keep that potential for growth and um, meat production, especially breast meat, then they also have that potential to grow in that way. Even that we restrict them, normally they tend to accumulate more um, muscle uh, than we expected, and that is quite negative for the reproductive performance. Mm -hmm. And then um, the whole amino acid um, metabolism is very important, and during reading is when we really set the the metabolism that they will have Mm -hmm. in, in the rest of their life. So um, we have been uh, checking on on the levels of amino acids uh, early in life and in the different phases during the grow out, and to observe how that affects fleshing and, uh, and the yeah. bile accumulation. And that has been a topic for a few years, but many people have tested these and they're very uh, broad uh, numbers, and sometimes they don't apply what normally. You will do it in in the industry, so we, we, what we try to do is to get closer to the common recommendations, the, the common practices, and use levels to try to estimate optimums instead of just saying high is bad and low also is bad, right but at the middle point where where actually we need to get in in the, in the practical yeah. terms. so that is what we try to do.
2: Excellent. And, and in terms of those, um, are there specific amino acids that you're studying in, in rearing diets?
0: Yeah. With, with breeders, since it's um, very long term, uh, then uh, the, the cycle is so long and, and the effects really need to be looked at at the end. We try to see the whole um, balance of the amino acids. But um, um, the, the main ones that we can control, the lysine and the sulfur amino acids, sometimes are the ones that, that we check closely. Uh, so that's that's something that uh, those two are the, the main focus just because it is easier to control. Um, that's, uh, that is one of the limitations of working in, in nutrition with broiler breeders. Great.
2: Right. Good point. So, I, I know an issue um, that we see commonly, and, and especially sort of industry wide, is um, fertility issues in breeders right now, and then feathering. Um, and and does your work in that on the nutrition side for those things? Ha- have you looked at those parameters in terms of um, either rearing diets or in breeder diets?
0: Yes. Uh, on yeah we uh, definitely those are the, the main points always to check and uh, also hatchability of course that because the the um, the whole nutrition the management ended up affecting many characteristics on the um, uh, reproductive tract uh, that affect the eggs and the uh, the hen's ability to um, produce a, um, a fertile egg. or egg or an egg that will actually keep the embryo alive. And uh, so we check on characteristics of the eggs that are transformed and how that affects the hatchability. And yes, there are uh, hens that probably have been fed with higher levels of amino acids or all the stream, very low levels, Mm -hmm. ended up with a, a slightly lower fertility and hatchability. And on the feathering side, we have seen that it's mainly those effects where um, there is too much fletching oh. that uh, the metabolism tend to be probably more demanding for those amino acids. And consequently, if during part of their life they develop too much muscle, then later on probably they will have higher requirements for um, those mm-hmm. amino acids and they will direct those to keep the muscle instead of probably renewing those uh, feathers. Mm-hmm. Also the yeah so also the mass uh, probably the bigger mass uh, makes them uh, at some point more um, susceptible to uh, frequent mating as well. Uh, but at the end then after uh, more mating what we have observed is that their uh, feathering scores are lowered so they they ended up to be without the feathers and and then more susceptible to scratches and and, and those scratches then. It will make them uh, more difficult uh, to uh, maintain the, the fertility. Even the higher um, or bigger um, breast muscle also probably can make a little more difficult the mating. Right. And so that that ended up to be um, a whole process of, of how they get that extra fleshing that the children mm-hmm. have. And, and that happens more frequently in the ones that have higher uh, levels of amino acids. Uh, but getting too low really affects the reproductive tract, so that will be right. also negative for their um, fertility.
2: So hard to find the balance.
0: Yeah, um, well, it, it's a middle point right there, and, and, and it's, it's about um, getting the, the right amounts on the right timing is what we have found right. that helps yeah
2: um so so as you were you know i i think all of your your research is, is is supporting a lot of of what the industry is dealing with um you know the other hand of that is you know a lot of people are looking at everyday feeding of pullets um and then trying to balance what you're talking about in terms of your research is looking at fleshing and then later performance um how how does that um, tie into those nutrient requirements? If, if uh, from a you know a welfare standpoint, we wanted to get to everyday feeding, how do we support those requirements and not end up with overfleshed hens?
0: Yes, well, um, definitely that is a, a change for the uh, U.S. industry going from a skip a day programs to everyday feeding. And um, part of our research of my research is done uh, here in the U.S. and another, other parties done overseas. I also have collaborators and even companies where we are testing different things. And uh, in, in other places, the everyday feeding is the common thing. They don't oh, remember right. even the days of a skip a day feeding. So, um, and probably it's the differences on, on um, a labor, availability mm-hmm. and right. things like that, uh, but in, in fact, the, the uh, levels of the amino acids could be managed relatively the same in that sense. Um, of course, the birds uh, that are in on everyday feeding is more difficult to keep them uniform and more um, frequently, um, then uh, sometimes uh, you can have um, Birds that will get overweight and overfleshing, but uh, in those places, uh, normally what they also practice practice a lot is the uh, grading, and the grading helps to um, know what is the amount that to feed. So um, in some way, everyday feeding, is I believe, it should be tied to to that very fine tuning. On the amount, so it, it becomes more difficult uh, to do it right if you don't have that chance to do a grading or to do, be checking weekly or biweekly on on the body weights, like other places that had practiced this and uh, for many years um, do frequently. So that um, those those systems work whenever you can do both things at the same time.
2: So for our US listeners could you explain what grading is I know everyone in, in the rest of the world wearing breeders understands that process, but could you explain for some of our US listeners who might not understand what grading is?
0: Yeah well they basically is, is a getting um, the, the whole flock pretty much split in the um, size of birds that, that different size of birds generally have about three groups. And uh, every time is is weighing the birds, and and there are even machines now, several different designs of machines, where quickly you can pass every single bird and getting the weight of those, and they can be distributed in different rooms, and in that way, you can um, have a more uniform flocks or more uniform groups within the within the house, and and uh, to each group do, you are able to assign um, amounts of feed. That will keep them on the right weight, and in general, then the the whole flock will have um, better uh, uniformity, and you can control the the fleshing and all those factors. And that is a big uh, part of them having an excellent performance in in many places.
2: Excellent, thanks. And I I know some of our that's a totally um, unusual concept for our U.S. industry. in terms of you know, weighing is a normal part of pullet rearing, but but having you know almost separate spaces for the different weight groups—that's um, we're not at that point in terms of our our pullet rearing, and um, maybe maybe we will get there. Um, what um, what would be some um, you know sort of key points in terms of? Um, Pullet rearing—that advice that you would give um, to, um, you know, a company that's either struggling with pullet uniformity um, or, uh, you know, sort of breeder performance.
0: Yeah, well, uh, one of uh, one of the main factors in management when when actually you don't do only you don't have the grading to do this, then is um, to have uh, the right. And feeder space according to the number of birds that you have and and the size. So then, how you you are able to open at certain points during the life uh, the amount of feeders in order that uh, every bird has a space only to eat uh, enough. And the other is if you have a, a chain feeder to distribute or, or or pans, then to open more. Um, um, uh, of so distribution of this feed in the middle, in that way, when there is, it is the time of feeding, then um, the feed will go more uniformly to the different parts of the house and not just uh, weighing that the first part will have longer feeding, because generally then you are going to have one area in the house where they were more in contact with the feed, but they have more access, and they consequently they, they will eat more. And there are areas where the feed takes a uh, longer to arrive, and, and then some of those birds with uh, the lower pecking order, then it, it, they won't have enough uh, time to eat. So uh, what I have seen is is to increase this, those numbers of, of beans that in that way the feed falls all the uh, more uniformly and synchronized. And then everybody with their own space, every every bullet will have that, that chance and there is more uniformity in that case. It's a simple management tool and, and makes the, the feeding much easier. And uh, you see big improvements in, in uniformity, just uh, watching on those details. Details. Mm-hmm.
2: One of my colleagues uses the term, inspect what you expect. Everybody expects growers are feeding, you know, and getting everything out correctly. But you need to go look. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a great um, option. Is is adding extra bin in terms of getting feed, you know, to drop uh, through the system at the same time because feed distribution and speed is a major issue. We have so so many varieties of houses in the u.s and so many feeding systems it's it's hard to get it all out there quick enough yes yes
0: what, what i talk about is a uh, beans inside so um, that that uh, from the outside it comes directly to some distribution beans inside mm-hmm. of inside. Close to the feeder. yeah
2: yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um okay so we'll switch gears and talk about your research and broilers um and uh, your your choice. If we talk about your data analytics side of of looking at the industry, um, or recent work that you've done on nutrition and broilers, and and what you're focusing on there.
0: Yes, well, in in broilers um, with the data analytics, what we have been is do, working with with different companies that have big data sets of um, that accumulated from from every flock, and, and sometimes they even are able to track um, data from every uh, house. So then uh, um, in many places, uh, sometimes we have some data from from the U.S., but uh, many times it's only the f- uh, final data. One is uh, something that is important to have, is middle points to know how the broilers grow. And in that case, we have some good data from South America, Central America, and also a few places in Europe where they actually get a good sample, about 10% of the, po- the whole flock every week. And that gives us a huge amount of data um, per um, per house. So it's very good sampling in, in, in groups that they get. And there is even the, the, values, the values of variability. So we are able to track how the broilers grow and what is their feed intake per week? And um, also at the end, how they perform. So that helps us to determine the growth curves and uh, that are the more adequate to have the best feed conversion that are sometimes correlated with less um, leg problems because sometimes they track uh, what are the cold birds and from then they have. Um, um, a good idea of, or, or a good record, sometimes of uh, how they are uh, controlling leg issues, and um, so that that has been kind of uh, one of the, the areas growth curves, and uh, from also uh, other surveys that we had done, been able to track other um, factors that may affect the live performance. So then uh, so uh, the records of uh, from which hatchery they are coming from. How, how long is the distance in transportation, um, water values, uh, housing uh, conditions, many other things. Uh, we ended up sometimes with um, 20, 25 different variables that we are able to um, link uh, using these automatic techniques and machine learning that uh, is basically um, tools like uh, decision trees or um, sometimes we use... Uh, neural networks, and, um, and these help us uh, to uh, identify the main factors that are causing that variability in performance. And with that, we have been able to um, uh, work with some companies to improve them and actually um, see that that um, this uh, exploring or, or of data, that this work of exploring data helps them to uh, find solutions that sometimes it don't seem so easy to um, grasp when when you are just uh, looking at, at at the different values and and separately when when you don't you don't look at the whole picture. So then uh, that is the way that we have been uh, using uh, data analytics for for a few years, and and uh, in some cases we we are ready to uh, publish some papers uh, with broiler breeders. we have been doing uh, some other things in in the same way. Uh, tracking the um, um, growth of the breeder and how that affects their henhouse uh, egg production at the end or the hatchability at the end yeah
2: so I'm I'm gonna make sure that i'm I'm grasping to to maybe how that data would be used um, so it would it could help you identify like we have poor performing farms and you're not able to really figure out why you know. Each time they're at the bottom of the the settlement sheet. So using um, this type of machine learning or or analysis of previous data variables, you're then able to nail it down to, you know, one specific variable that you've looked at and help that
0: grower. Exactly. Most of the time... Uh, is more than one one uh, factor that that uh, that something is not working right, but uh, at least you get uh, three or five things important that you can uh, go verify and actually uh, determine how they can improve. So then, uh, then uh, that is the the whole idea.
2: And in your experience, what's, what like what are some common examples?
0: In, in in many places, uh, factors like uh, transportation of the chicks is 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 very critical, and, and depending on how long they take to get to the farm and um, how long they take actually to place them, because sometimes the placement is not immediately the, uh, done, so that it, that becomes a, a critical factor. Another thing that we have observed is with, with water quality. So there are some parameters in the water that are more critical than anything else because, you know, diets come from the same feed meal. It's the same batches uh, and, and it's available. But uh, water it is, is more local, more specific of farms and ended up to be a, a critical point. Uh, even how they storage the water. So if mm-hmm. it is, uh, well water uh, or yeah. they have some kind of tank or, and that tank maybe is, is uh, on, on close to the or, or is uh, heated due, mm-hmm. during the day so that, that changes probably on temperature and, and in some places they have sensors where, where we can get that data it uh, shows that, that kind of factors that are important. In, in other countries there are uh, definitely factors related with, with heat stress. So when when the, there is no enough equipment and then they ended up having heat stress, that definitely reduces the performance at the end very bad.
2: Excellent. Yeah, I think wa- water is definitely um, something we all under. I think we underestimate the importance of of good water quality and so many variables that that go into it. So um, that's def- your um, analysis of, of that data shows what a, a lot of people, you know, understand for many years is that's really very, very important to to get the gains and things that we want every day. Um, so how, where do you see the future of that, that data analytics work going? What's your next steps?
0: Well, um, then uh, uh, on on our side, the idea is always is to create a zone um, dashboards where, um, the companies can enter the the data and uh, have a um, more uh, frequent reporting of the updated data and, and see the trends that are happening and how that that marks uh, um, an alarm or a system that some things are not going well. So then, then uh, you stop waiting for the result. You actually can predict the result uh, by just looking at, for example, how. And um, the birds are performing, in, uh, and and that is possible to do in in places where as I as I am telling you, they receive data kind of weekly of their performance. You know? so then, uh, then it becomes uh, um, more just um, yes, predictive and 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 be able to act before uh, things happen, and and in that way you can control uh, the final result. Uh, if you wait just at the end to um, to see what happened, then it, it had to act on, on time. you know?
2: Right. That would be great. Maybe, uh, maybe that's not too far off in the future.
0: Yeah, well, with sensors, uh, actually, most of this data, for example, in water consumption uh, that um, people had had them for many years, it's amazing how, I mean, it's, the data is there, Right. Uh, the sensors are able to do it, and um, nobody look at it. Nobody. Right. We're collecting really, lots of data,
2: but we don't. <laughs> we don't use it.
0: Then nobody really has the time or something. So then, more automatic systems to uh, just tracks things like that will will really help uh, to uh, to do it, and and probably. The, since it's uh, so variable in, in, in between farms, actually the farmer is the one that uh, is, uh, should be the the one uh, uh, that should detect the uh, potential issue and, and act on time uh, to make sure that uh, the results will be better.
2: Right. That would be great. Um so, in terms of the work within in your lab and and um in your group um what are what are new things that you are exploring?
0: Yes well um, these past two years we have been um, been working with um factors that uh, in in um in corn like in corn processing corn has can affect the um, energy value actually corn is the number one uh, feed ingredient grain in 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 all poultry diets in almost all the whole world, mm-hmm. and at least uh, uh, in in a big proportion. And in the U.S. is is the number one and the biggest part of the feed, but uh, we always treat it as a commodity. And we tend to have only one single value for all type of corn, and in reality, a big part of the performance variability and even some health issues can come from uh, changes that happens in the corn depending on the variety that is used and um, the um, agronomic conditions that ended up affecting some key parameters of quality that are well known for any any farmer, any agronomist, like for example, uh, is, is the bitterness and the kernel harness is is, yeah. is a, a characteristic that is measured every time that they are doing selection for the seeds and also when they are in marketing in the US and um, the corn is, is that is reported and there are a, a ways to estimate. One of the most common now could be with nears. Um, and but in general any any person, any grower, any corn grower has an idea of if it is a soft um, or a or a hard uh, kernel variety. And sometimes the hard kernel varieties have um, important um, benefits on the agronomic side, and that is what it tends to grow more. Um, Then uh, the the issue becomes bigger when uh, due to the weather changes, then uh, they have to harvest this corn with high moisture. So we did a series of projects trying to evaluate what is the difference, and, and that affects even, for example, the grinding um, characteristics. So, uh, diff- uh, so the, let's say you, you receive corn from different sources, even that if you have in the feed mill the same type of grinding, the same settings on the on the milling, uh, you are going to have different particle sizes. And uh, you know particle size is very important for the feeding and, and the um, and the intestinal health of the of birds. Uh, more broilers, but also very important also with the with the breeders and the layers and, and turkeys. So then uh, you are going to end it up with more fines in, in some occasions because the, the corn the trains uh, with the same forces tends to break in, in different sizes. And uh, being very fine is relatively negative for the intestinal health. And we also observed uh, something that, that we started doing as uh, a new thing, is not only the size of the particles, but actually the uh, nutrients in the corn get disintegrated, and, and when you have a diet that is uh, in uh, pellets, maybe you put them all together and everything will be there. But you know that then uh, pellet tends to dissolve. And, and then uh, if you get these very fines, you are going to have a lot of starch there, but very few protein, very little protein. So there is an imbalance. For those birds that uh, are eating those fine uh, particles, it it, it, no, it doesn't depend only, let's say, on on being uh, seven hundred or eight hundred microns. The problem is, is really that those fine particles uh, will will have also different nutrients, and and it's a uh, It's not just eating uh, what is there, it's it's just that when they eat, they are eating a very imbalanced um, portion of the feed that uh, could end up causing these um, um, health uh, parts. And and it has been reported, but generally all the reports are only based on on particle size, not on uh, what is in those particles, yeah, the, the, Mm -hmm. the nutrient composition of those particles. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that we are doing is with soybeans, Uh, we we now are able to uh, test uh, full-fat soybeans and then there are some varieties, for example, with high oleic um, content and and that is very good for uh, meat quality, uh, uh, high oleic products in general will have a better shell life and we were able to see that that, uh, this product is uh, possible to use, we determine the digestibility values, the energy values. Uh, We observe that it has a little higher energy value, but uh, we uh, also the um, uh, amino acid digestibility is slightly lower, and it's just to balance the diets well, and then the chickens can perform uh, relatively similar to um, the other um, varieties of soybeans. We also, in the soybeans, check on factors that are uh, causing variability on trypsin inhibitors that are also a key factor for intestinal health, and so it is the same thing. You get beans that look the same, but when you have and you have the same extrusion process, especially for the organic production, so you have the same extrusion process, but then the product is uh, quality is different, and uh, many times it's due to these um, situations on the agronomic side, on the weather and and the variety. That uh, the higher content that you have in the beans, the, no matter that you have the best conditions in the in the extrusion, uh, you still will may have a higher content of uh, trypsin inhibitors in the in the meal uh, and the final cake of uh, full fat that you are going to receive or extruded product or so forth. Uh, with the solvent extracted, uh, most of that goes away because a big part is on the uh, when when they get them the uh, um, uh, shell part so then they are able to to take most of that out uh, but for the others that the ones doing execution it will be more important excellent
2: because your group is staying busy
0: yeah we we keep uh, different areas and um, i mean uh, we uh, my job here as i told you was is to help the broiler industry in general and we get all these opportunities thanks to the support of the industry, and we have uh, several students and visiting scholars uh, more interested on on all these topics. And also the collaborations with different companies uh, help that they they in some way help with the collection of data and, and many other things. Because actually every value that they want to collect makes money for them. Right. So we, we, they, they are very very. Um, uh, um, efficient and, and, and very accurate on that data collection, and then we have uh, students and other people that, that help me with uh, different data analysis and, and data, and, and also sample analysis. We we have different labs where we collaborate and are able to to complete these things.
2: That's great. Yeah, the um, I think I think that's the great part of. Um, the industry we work in is, you know, you and I are both at, at universities, and 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 we work for our stakeholders. Um, but but they 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 want to improve. They they want to gain efficiencies, and so it makes it really um, rewarding to work with them um, and see their industry improve. Yeah,
0: and, and and they also have their own knowledge, and, and yeah, probably I mean, our job, as you know, is is just to help them with. Uh, sometimes the um, the time that they they don't have uh, to complete some of the things that they have in mind or that they they uh, would like to do and, and um, so in that part uh, also gives an opportunity for the students to know more uh, the um, place where they are going to work the environment okay. where they are going to work and at the same time understand the the um, factors that that could make. Um, the companies improve. So that, that's a good partnership and I hope uh, the um, uh, poultry industry keeps uh, uh, growing in this kind of um, collaborations. It is time to our famous three.
1: The Poultry Podcast show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Ataseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe and sustainable ways. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start.
2: So as you mentor students, we're going to start to wrap things up here. As you mentor students, what's some advice that you give them on, you know, what, what, uh, how to enter into our industry?
0: Well, um, the main thing is I try that they go as as many meetings as possible, and they can meet as 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 many people in the industry as possible. And being in the meetings, I I bet that every single student, since they come, and sometimes as an undergrad, they are able to see how big is our industry and how um, um, they can enjoy and have a a, a part of of the uh, in 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 uh, a role in, in the industry and and. Uh, Visiting farms, visiting uh, hatcheries, and and, and uh, feed mills, and all that, also give them a sense of uh, of the um, uh, sections where where they can work. So that then the uh, the life on, and, and I mean the actually the hands on, and and the um, that uh, um, real experience. I think that is what it helps them the most. And later, I try to. Um, Teach them skills that will uh, differentiate them on, on on being useful to uh, provide their um, uh, services to the industry and and try to show them how they can they can feed in, in different areas where they want to work. So then uh, that is what we try to to um, uh, emphasize on on on, on a windows of opportunity where where they can actually feed in in the future that's what i i feel that and I, then they they will feel confident that that they can offer something and they can go and join a company
2: excellent i've one last question this will be be the end uh what is your favorite go to poultry resource either a book or website like what's your trying to true you need you need information where do you go
0: yeah, Karen. We we have so much information in the in the industry going all around the world that uh, really uh, I, nowadays, I mean, most of of the information is online. So really, I I just use Google Scholar, and I can find. Uh, I always like to see at least three or four references. From the same topic, um, and 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 be able to compare and, and discuss and find the differences and what they have uh, uh, have as as a result. Uh, even you can find the books now. All books are uh, online in PDF, and many of them are uh, for free, and 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 then that give you access, or at least you can have in Google. Books or any other of these search engines, you can have a section of the book where actually you can read that uh, specific topic that you're looking for. So um, I use a lot, like everybody, I guess, uh, the the search engines, and and uh, over there you can have from encyclopedias to the latest uh, research uh, that is out there.
2: Excellent. Thanks for your time today, Edgar, Um, and. Thanks for sharing uh, your work that you're doing with uh, within your extension service and research, and and great information on nutrition um, and data analytics. So, appreciate your time.